Good morning, church. Yeah, so this morning I want to address this, the topic, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to good people? I want to encourage every young people in the house this morning to pay careful attention. So parents ensure your kids don't have any form of distraction. If they are looking at each other, distracting, separate them. This is a very important topic that will help our kids or teenagers, young adults in armies to navigate life with all boldness that they need, that God is always on their side, right? This topic is such one that the enemy has used to confuse many people, distort and damage their relationship with God because people do not know why bad things happen to good people. Some people ask, why do bad things happen to good people? God should be able to, you know, help people because these people are good. And some people say, you know, you see, God is sovereign. And because he's sovereign, he chooses to be kind and nice to whomever he chooses. And he chooses to um, afflict some people with problems for, a, for the greater good. Now, those two instances, if I may ask, is it something you've had in your daily life? Is it something you've had before? Is it something that affects how you see God? Right. So if this two perspective of God affect you in one way, shape or the other, or affect your Christian life, then you need to pay careful attention to what I'm going to be sharing this morning. Amen. Now, let's start with that word, good. So why do bad things happen to good people. So when you say good people, on what basis do you define good? Is it based on your own human understanding of what good is? Or based on that person's understanding of what good is? Or based on the understanding of what to God what good is? If you want to hear the truth, no human being is good enough in themselves to receive any blessing or anything from God. No human being, no matter what good they do, no matter the level of anything good they do, there's no one who is good enough to receive anything good, anything from God the Almighty. God's standard of good cannot be attained by any human effort. I repeat, God's standard of good, God's standard of right can never be attained by any human effort. Human beings have errors. We have inadequacies. We have shortcomings. So in that sense, we will always fall short of God's standard. And if God would always punish us or mistreat us because we fall short, we, we fall short or, we, or we, fall, uh, we fall short of a standard in any way, shape or form, then our life will be a complete mess. Because it means that for every time you stumble, for every time you struggle, there is an evil, there is a punishment, there is a, there is a, there's a consequence, even negative consequence that's coming upon you. But you and I know that there are many bad and horrible things you've done and you are not dead. Because for you to be watching me or to be listening to me, it means that you are not dead and you can't tell me that you've been perfect in the past two days or past one week. Now, we have, generally, human beings have a standard of morality, standard of goodness. If, you know, if, you, if you've been in the news or you've been on social, you realize that the, bound, the, 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 the morality, the boundaries of morality are, are shifting. The lines are getting blurrier. 
you know what used to be black and white back then now is gray it's subjective so it seems like the world is losing, losing a sense of absolute good and what is absolute so what is good or what is wrong amen so the world is is, is fast losing the sense of what is good and what is right and it saddens my heart that many young people today are increasingly losing the consciousness or the awareness of what is good and to, to be able to differentiate between what is good and what is right. Now, so you have things like, well, it depends. Why would this? Why would that? Amen. So you, you cannot in your own mind say a person is good. Now, if human beings are good enough, there will have been no need for Jesus to die. But none of us could ever meet the standard of morality, goodness, kindness, purity of God. And that is why Jesus came to die for you. So take that point very seriously. You can never, no human being can ever in their own effort attain the goodness, I mean the level of God's good, goodness in a sense, level of uh, morality, stand, God's standard of what, it what is being defined as good. So the second point I want to call out here is this. See this ideology about God punish people or, or, or God makes people to suffer. That's God punish or make people to suffer for a greater good. I don't understand. It, it's, it don't make any sense to me. Now, play that back to yourself. You know, I was talking to young people. I'm talking to young people a lot this morning, right? Adults, I believe that, um, you know, this blesses you too. Now, say, friends, I've been on social for a few weeks now. I've been doing, doing a lot of studies since January up until now. And I've seen some things that are quite annoying. And annoying in the sense that the people making those statements are not thinking. So watch this. God make people suffer for a greater good. Suffer. Now, suffering, is this something good? So, how can something not good be intended for a greater good? It makes no sense. And when a person is suffering, what good is that doing for them? What kind of good do you think God wants to make out of it? We read last week, the book of Acts chapter 10 verse 38, how God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy, with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that, were, that was oppressed by the devil because God was with him. The Bible says, he went about doing good. Even when Jesus said himself, he said, my father is always walking. He's always doing good. So when you say, God makes a person suffer for a greater good, and Jesus goes about as a representative of God, representation of God, exact representation of God, according to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, goes about doing good, healing, and delivering people from the hand of darkness. And you then say God is bringing darkness, evil, pain on people for a greater good. It shows that we are not thinking about what we are saying. And that's why you, before you go on social, you need to ensure that you are properly armed with the truth. Because by the time you binge on, say, 200 to 300 videos in one hour or less, if you don't have your own standpoint, 
that is solid and secure in Christ Jesus, the truth of God's word, you take any garbage and nonsense online. Then you wonder why when you come out of social, depending on what you feed on, you are depressed, you are anxious, you are tired, you are drained, you are doubting yourself, you don't have confidence, you, you have lost some level of confidence about who you are. It's because on social and on major media, on most of the major media platforms, the world is speaking and the devil is speaking. And the devil will speak through people. And if you don't know the truth that makes free, you will be confused. And as long as you are confused, the enemy can mess up your mind. Give you depression and all manner of stuff. Amen. So how does God, who does good through Jesus, then put evil on some people for a greater good? It makes no sense. We are not listening to ourselves. So we should learn to listen to what we are saying. We should not speak aimlessly, unintelligently. Listen to what the Bible says to you, says to us that. We should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Quick to listen. Listen to yourself before you speak. And I was dealing with a teenager a long time, some time ago. Um, the mother said something, and she said her own. And I asked her, tell me, why do you think you need to talk in this instance? And what you just said, what sense is in it? What sense does it carry? No, just tell me. Because when teenagers see all that ruthless, mannerless teenagers in school, in college, in places, they think they can be like them. For you as a child of God, no, it's not for you. You belong to a different tribe. You are not of the world. Other children may be disrespectful to their parents. Not you, because you are not them. And you should not try to be like them because you don't belong there. The kingdom they belong to, their father is a devil. He's a god of this world. He gives an inspiration to disobey their parents. I'm talking about when parents give you godly advice here. He gives an instruction to disobey their parents because he wants to kill them. Because he understands the power of rebellion. The Bible tells us that rebellion, rebellion is like the witch, is, is like the sin of witchcraft. So when a child or a young adult, you know, enjoys being rebellious, disobedient to parents, he is operating under the inspiration of the devil and he's going to kill you. So I can say that many young people don't think. There's no independent and constructive thinking. I've been doing some serious study in the past few months about the landscape of, of morality and the landscape of reasoning, all this friend, tribes, connection. And I have some packages for the church members because I can see what the enemy is I can see the tools the enemy is using to absorb people into madness and darkness. Praise the Lord. So God will never punish anyone or bring suffering on something for a greater good. So young people, think on your own. Think on paper. Whatever thought is disturbing you, write it down. So learn to come out of the group of people, of your group of friends. Every young people in this church must make it a practice that if you have any disturbing thoughts, withdraw to yourself in the evening, write it down, and then ask yourself, does this make sense? If you are truly born again, which I believe that most of my young people here are born again, the Holy Spirit of God inside of you will tell you that doesn't make sense. Besides, 
go into the Bible, before we start going to the Bible, when you go come back home and you have a disturbing thought, take a pen and a paper and write down that thought. Then look at it objectively. Does this make sense? The Bible says the heart of human beings is desperately wicked. No one can see it. The heart of a natural person, a natural person, a person who is not born again, is desperately wicked. No one can see it. So when the person operating under the inspiration of the devil comes to speak to you and you think they have your best interest at heart, you don't, know, you don't even have a clue of where they're coming from, what is in their heart. A person who is not born again and, a, and who is a follower of Jesus should not be your influencer. Should never be your role model. Should not be your very close friend. And I say that with all authority and I know what I'm saying. You know, I see people say things that my best friend is a person of this faith, of that faith. And to me, it does not make any sense. <laughs> because if you really understand and know truly that you are a child of God, <laughs> if you really understand the things of the Spirit that we operate with, if you really understand what goes on behind the scenes, if you really understand that we are children of the Most High God, we are spirit beings, you really understand that we are, king, we are children and who belong to the kingdom of light. You know that there's no much an unsafe person can give to you to help you navigate spiritual realities. So when people of the older faith are our best and the closest friend, who are the ones who advise us on personal and deep issues, we have some problem. Because when the enemy is deceived, when the enemy is at work, a person who is spiritually dead cannot see the handwriting of the enemy. On the wall. It can never. They can give you sound advice, can't tell you. They can give you an advice that will help you in that moment. But the enemy will come back in that strategy or keeps bringing that situation into your life. And this person becomes your consoler, your friend, your advocate, in a sense. And you keep, you keep coping with that situation. Friends, can I, tell, can I be honest with you? See, the Christian is not designed to cope with evil and darkness, sickness, and disease. No. Ephesians 1.13 says, God has delivered us from the, from the kingdom of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. What that means is this. God has delivered us from the power of darkness and he has moved us into the kingdom of his son. Amen. He has moved us into the kingdom of his own son. And in the kingdom of the son, what happens there? Good. Not evil. Amen. So let's look at what the Bible says about those things. Are we, are we flowing? Are we all right? Are we together? Good. Now, God said to Jesus' disciple, Matthew 17:5. Let me let's take it a few steps back. Uh, let's start from verse 1. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put out three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Young people, and 
less younger people, I don't want to say old people. Who are you listening to? Media? Job? Elijah? Moses? Or Jesus? God says here, you listen to Jesus. You want to know me? Listen to, to Jesus. Next week, we're going to go into Job. I was going to start talking about Job today, but as I was meditating on this last night, the Lord imp uh, imprinted on my, on my heart, you know, strongly to lay foundation before I go into the book of Job. Right? It laid strongly in my heart that, you know, do this. I was like, oh my God. Because I, I, I read, <laughs> this week I read the 42 chapters of Job. And, and took my time line by line, highlighting some, some things that Job was saying that, you know, with all due respect, let me just leave it there. You guys know how I've laughed. Finish the sentence. And I get to me. So I was ready to come and deliver. And pieces, the lies in the book of Job. Then the Lord said, start with this. I'm like, oh, Lord, I've walked a lot. So we'll come. next week, we have the book of Job to go into. So today, I'm laying the foundation. So God said, who? listen to, to Jesus. Amen. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 tells us that Jesus is the exact representation of God. So if you have seen Jesus, you have seen God. What Jesus does is what God does. Amen. We covered all of this last week, right? Let's turn our Bibles to 1 John 1. And I'm going to read from verse 5. First John 1. So I'm reading from NIV today all through. First John 1, 5. That it reads, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in, dark, in the darkness, we lie. And do not leave out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as it is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Next week, I'm going to be using the scripture, this verse of the Bible, as uh, the, uh, the foundation, uh, as an intro into the book of Job. Or I might, or I might be making more uh, reference to this particular verse. So let's take verse 5 again. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. Now, do you know what darkness means? Evil. So the Bible is saying to us here that God is light. In him, there is no evil. So if the Bible tells us that there's no evil in God, and Jesus never did evil. So what makes us think that God brings evil into people's life, brings suffering into people's life for a greater good? It means such people who believe that do not understand the word of God. They don't know what the Bible says. Friends, reading your Bible is not studying the Bible. Reading your Bible is not studying the Bible. If you want to know the Bible, you need to ensure you understand the pretext, the post-text, which means the verses and the context of what you are reading and where is it adding to. Amen. And because it's not, a it's not a common practice that people read the Bible in context, it is important that, you know, 
You make it your own duty that you, you choose to study the Bible and don't listen to people who take verses of Bible just anywhere and put it together, mix it together and give you something. You know, I'm, 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 I'm glad with the feedback we got on, on Thursday when a young person in church talks about how I teach the word of God line up online, they can understand, they can follow it. And when they read their notes, they can follow it. Right. So, and this is not for, just for me as a preacher or as a teacher. It's important that every believer who claims to be a disciple, a disciplined follower of Jesus, should learn to read the Bible in context. You will not do this in your secular education. Take one chapter and build a career on a chapter. You read it in context. You, read, you want to understand the scope of what you are studying. You can't read about needles or about syringes and then say you want to go practice medicine. You will kill people. So, so for you to practice medicine, you need to understand human anatomy. There's a lot you need to understand to be able to say, I'm a doctor or to be able to even practice medicine. And this applies to all professions. You don't pick one part of it and build a career on it. It's suicidal. It's dangerous. It's harmful. So likewise, in the word of God, don't expect less. Understand it in its context, in its, in its entirety. That's why a book is handed over to us as a Bible, not some manuscript or a page or a chapter. It's a book handed over to you. So you read it in context. You go to the right, you go to the left, you go back and forth to understand what you are reading. Praise the Lord. So that's one point one. So we're looking at what the Bible say about these things, about people's perspective about this. God is this, God is that. It brings problem on people. Suffering is part of life. So the first thing we see there is that God, there's no darkness. There's no evil in God. Amen. The second point there is that um, Jesus did not come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. It came to give. So if Jesus is the exact representation of God, according to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, then, and if Jesus said in the book of John chapter 10, verse 10, he said, I am come, he said, he said the thief comes not, but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Watch that. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that he may have life and have more abundantly. So to steal, so Jesus came to, do the opposite of stealing, killing, and destroying. Let's read it so you know that I'm not just quoting the offhand. Let's go to John chapter 10, verse 10. John 10, 10. Now say, the thieves, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life. And have it to the full. So there's eternal life, which is life, the life of God, being spiritually alive again in, Christ, in, in God. I mean, and with God, and to be able to uh, unite with Him, reconciliation. I don't want to go into all of that story, right? But we're talking about Jesus said He came to give you life. So the enemy wants to steal your joy. The enemy comes to steal our joy, steal our peace, steal our health. He wants us to be sick. He, he wants, us to, he wants us to be mentally deranged. He wants us to be mentally unstable. 
You know, these are the things that the, that the devil, the enemy comes to do. But Jesus said, I am come to do the opposite. So instead of stealing, it comes to give you. Right. Instead of killing, it came to give you life. Instead of destroying, it came to build. So what's your marriage like? What's your health like? What's your mind like? What's your life like? What are you going through in life that you have thought that God has brought this thing into your life, you know, for a greater good? Look at what Jesus said. If whatever is going, whatever going on in your life, if it looks like destruction, if it looks like a damage, if it looks like you have lost something, your innocence, something, something the enemy did to you, abuse, molestation, whatever it is, Jesus came to restore it. Came to restore what you have lost and to give you a joy that the human mind cannot comprehend. Amen. So when you look at the Bible, critically and, and analytically, by the Spirit of God, being guided by the Spirit of God, you will know that what majority say about the nature, the character of God is not true. And you should not believe it. Friends, regardless of how old the man is in ministry, I don't want to mention names, the men of God who are way older than me, they've probably been in ministry before I was born. Friends, to have the right understanding of the word of God is not a function of age. You know, when we started ministry and I, was start, and I started sharing the truth that God has shown me and the ones he asked me to share with people, the feedback I got from my relatives and from a number of other men of God is that, you know, you just started. You're a young man. You should not be teaching these things. You should not be saying these things. You should not be sharing these things. A man of God I had used to that I respect, you know, called me, we were talking one day and um, they, said, they said, you know, well, I should beware of doctrine and things like that, titan and stuff like that and stuff like that. And I took it like, oh, yeah, they're correcting me. And I took it as a rebuke. Then I was lying on my sofa one day, just chilling. And then the Holy Spirit asked me a question. He said, who called you? I said, you, the Lord called me. You did. He said, I am the one who has the right to tell you what to teach, not those people. Amen? So when it comes to the truth of God's word, it has nothing to do with anybody's age. Anybody's years of accomplishment. Anybody can lie to you. Anybody can lose understanding of God's word. If they start fiddling and meddling with lies and deception and they start getting materialistic. I was watching, I, saw, I stumbled on a video uh, this week. You know, there was there's this pastor guy who is, who is notorious for sexual immorality. And he was attending the church of one of the most respected um, people, um, fathers of faith in Africa. And the first question that came to my mind, and then and it was asked to give testimony, and he gave testimony about you know, how his ministry exploded and things like that. And the first question that came to my mind is this. This man should not even be allowed to come and speak on the podium with all due respect. He's such a person that should be somber. He's such a person that should not even be in ministry for some years until even the world and the people who follow him can see that he's gone through a process of correction, restoration. But despite all the allegation with evidence about his promiscuity, evidence, he was back preaching in no time. 
And this is such a person that someone very respected holder in ministry is allowed to come and speak on their platform too. It questions me about the integrity of such a such father in the faith. And I'm not pointing finger, but as a son in the faith, not, a, not that this person is my spiritual father, but as someone who is genuine in the faith, it, it, it concerns me. So do you think such a father in the faith is a person I'll be listening to anymore? No. Because I can see compromise. I can see things that do not fall in line with the word of God. I can see that. It means we are indirectly celebrating and endorsing immorality on the pulpit. I don't want to be part of that club. Because what Paul told me in the book of 1 Corinthians 5, 9-11, is that if anyone named a brother is given to sexual immorality, I should not, I should not make such person a close acquaintance, a close friend. And he was not talking about people of the world. He was talking about people in the church. Because evil communication, evil companionship corrupt good manners. So I'm saying to you, young person, I'm saying to you also, uh, older person, and some of you, some of you guys, I'm not saying you guys, I can appreciate the fact that you know, we respect one another in this church, right? But some people in their mind, like, you know, a pastor is too young, he has not seen these things. Okay, you know why I slow down that way? Because I hold myself back. Because what I would say would not be nice. May that mindset perish. That you see a man of God speaking the truth of God's word. And you limit it to their age. May that thinking perish. We are not joking here. Lies destroy destinies and lives. Maybe because I've come across people who have died of cancer and all manner of evil disease because of evil men of God in their lives who were lying to them and telling them wrong things. So what that means is this. Hold up, people. Your child can receive the revelation of God's word. Listen, I listen to kids a lot because I get a lot of stuff from kids. God speaks to me through kids. And I listen. And when God is speaking through a child, I know when God is speaking. So I listen. So young person, so don't think you are too young to hear God. And don't think because a man of God, a woman of God is well advanced in age and they've been in ministry for many years. Don't say because of that, that they are speaking the truth. There are many things I will not expose for any reason because it's unethical and it's unprofessional for me as a pastor. So there are details and information I won't give you. But the things I tell you here, they are truth. Amen. Let's carry on. So Jesus came to do everything opposite to the devil. So if Jesus came to restore, came to build, came to give life, then that's what God is doing. If there's any circumstance or situation in your life that Jesus will not stand and watch or Jesus will never break into your life, never think God will ever do that to you. Amen. Now, if you then say, God, you know, make some people suffer for a greater good and he allows some people not to suffer because he's a sovereign God. You know, he's bipolar and he has mental health issues. So he chooses whatever he likes based on his feelings and his emotion. Can you just, now listen to what I've just said, can you just think that we don't, we, many of us would think in this way, or whose friend, many of us would think this way, which many of us, all of us in this church doesn't, but people who we listen to, and many we, whom we kind of follow on social, who say all this kind of nonsense, can you tell that they are not thinking, they don't know the word of God? You see why it seems like in, at Transformers Church on Sundays, it's a very, it's a very different game. 
He's a main way. I don't come to give you sentimental messages. I come to give you a word of life that can transform, that can change you. I mean, it's not joking, it's not, you know, getting to get too excited and high. No, I gotta give you the word of God because that's what transforms you. Amen. So when people think, you know, God is this, God is that, God is, you know, God makes them, you know, there's, there's someone who is bad, but God, God, God is just merciful to them. Now, this person's working in stark immorality and godliness, but things seem to be working fine for, for them. And it seems like they're getting away with all of the rubbish and the evil they are doing. But it's this righteous man, we're going, <laughs> brother Job. But it's this you who you are nice. You don't lie. You don't cheat. You don't do this. But problems are happening in your life. Ah, what kind of God is this? Well, God, you know, God, 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 God is sovereign. You know, God chooses to do whatever he likes to do. You know, he's testing me. He has some, that's nonsense. Because what you've simply said is that God shows favoritism. Let's go to John chapter 2. <coughs> um, uh, James 2, I mean. <coughs> James, James, James. No, I'm fine, I'm fine, thank you. James chapter 2. I'm going to read from verse 1 to 4. Thanks, me. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here is a good seat for you. But say to the poor man, you stand there and sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? So when we say, God is merciful and kind to this person, oh, God is this to this person, and God is not to this person, do you know what we're saying? We said God is a God of evil. He has evil thoughts. So one of the things that makes this performance-based relationship um, sickness to thrive or disease to thrive in the christian circle is because people think some people think god rewards you based on your goodness based on how you how well you give to your church based on how well you, you dress to church friends i'm not i'm not making this stuff up i know we have i know where i've come from and i know what i'm saying i know where i've come i know where i come from and i know what i'm saying you see, God has allowed me to go through all kinds of churches, you know, in the past 20, 25 years, and I've seen all kinds of stuff. So I'm not making these things up. I know what I've seen over the last over the last 20 years or more. And I know and I can see what the word of God says. I'm not making stuff up. Please pay careful attention. I know churches where the pastors only recognize, appreciate, especially pray for the people who seem to be on the good side of the pastor. And some people. Such subject of our pastor sometimes also believe that God is kind and nice to them because of what they do. And that's why three of Job's friends could easily say that Job, the, the source of Job's affliction is because of his wrongdoings. The sad thing is that many leaders, Christian leaders, we don't take our time to think and evaluate the, content, the, the impact of our actions and our teachings on people. 
Many ministers of the gospel only think about their pockets, but they don't think about people's homes and families. They don't think such that if I say these things, if I share these things, what impact would this be on this marriage, on the marriages in my church? What impact will it be on these young people when they go to university? But they will scare them, put all manner of stuff in their life so that they can achieve what they want to achieve, bring money to church and do all kind of stuff. It's evil. Like I said, there are information and facts that I cannot share with you guys. But what I'm telling you is the truth. If you have not seen, I will not say. Praise God. So God will never judge with evil intention. So if you think God is nice to some people and not you, then you're saying that God judges with bad intentions. Amen. Just with bad intentions. You know, I love what Jesus said that each one of us should be like God our Father. Matthew chapter 5. Right. Uh, let's go to Matthew 5. Watch this. You have heard that it was said. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I'm, I'm shutting down on this. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Let me pause here a little bit. This is Jesus speaking. The exact representation of God speaking. I repeat, this is Jesus speaking. This is the one who came to show us who, who God truly is. So listen carefully to what it says. Matthew 75, God said, listen to my son. So let me take 43 again. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So you think God will kill your enemy, roast them by fire, right? Cause all manner of evil and calamity to happen to them. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, there's a shock from Jesus. God loves your enemy. Oh my goodness. I can see the, I can see the world crumbling. God loves your enemies. Guys, give me an extra five minutes. Do you know the reason why I strongly advocate that people should protect themselves? People should mind people who they allow in their lives. God loves your enemies. If you allow your enemies to, to arm you, to hurt, to destroy you, and they repent tomorrow, you know, God loves them. He has said, don't forget that Jesus came to die for bad people. He came to die for the world, the worst of sinners. So if you don't lock your door properly, and you allow things to break in, don't accuse God for it at all. Amen. If you don't lock your door, I mean, keep your belongings properly and people steal it, don't accuse God. And don't expect that God will, God will destroy them. Because Jesus came to die for the thief. Good news or sad news? Depends on where you're coming from. Verse 45. That you, <laughs> that you may be children of your Father in heaven. It causes is sun, sunshine, to rise on the evil. Ha! Ah, eh! Lord Jesus. How could God do this? Let's take 45 again. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. Oh Lord, I'm feeling, that's what I'm feeling before I, 
actually read it. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and on the and, and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? And not even the tax collectors doing that. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as a father in heaven. Your heavenly father is perfect. God is not like the pagans. Who favors and loves only the ones that likes him. So, he makes his sunshine to rise on the farm of the wicked and the righteous. Even his rain falls on the righteous and the wicked. So, if God is not going after the wicked or destroying them, obviously, he didn't come after you and destroy you before you give your life to Christ, because if he did, you, you will not even make it. So, if God does not destroy the wicked, if God does not kill the wicked, so why would he put evil on you? So, even the evil, the bad people, is he wants them saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. First, first Timothy chapter 2. So, if God loves the wicked and wants them saved, so why do you, and I don't understand, so why, 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 why do you think he will bring evil upon you for a greater good? We are not thinking. They have lied to us. Amen. If we want to know the source of evil, we should go back to the book of Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. When God told Adam, the day you eat of this tree, that day you will certainly die. Amen. And Genesis chapter 3, after the, man and the, and the, after the woman and the man ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they certainly died. Evil came into this world. The Bible says to us in the book of Romans chapter 5, verse 12, that you know, when man sinned, death came into this world. <laughs> and to show you that God is not the one bringing this what we so-called natural disaster. Do you know that Jesus, right, was attacked by storm? Jesus' boat was attacked by storm. So if Jesus was not on that boat, those his disciples probably could have died, you know, drowned and died. But to let you know that evil is no respecter of persons on this earth, even storm, storm attacked the boat of Jesus. So if anybody tells you that evil is not happening to a man of God because he's a man of God, they lie to you. They're not telling you the truth. Do you know how many demons I've dealt with? Situations I've dealt with? Even some things I'm dealing with right now. There are some things I have dealt with in my life. Some people go through it, they will not be standing. So, being a man of God is, does, not, is not, does not make me superior to you, to you guys or make me immune to the attacks of the enemy. See the, see, the only qualification you need for bad things to attack you in this world is for you to be on earth. As long as you are on the earth that has been infected by sin and Satan being the god of this world, the, the, the Bible calls him the ruler of the prince of the power of the air. The ruler of the prince of the power of the air, Ephesians chapter 2. So as long as Satan is the ruler of the prince of the power of the air, have you not heard in the book of Ephesians that it says that we wage war not against flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness. Spiritual what? Wickedness in high places. So where spiritual wickedness are operating, so why are people thinking God is one working? Did the Bible not say that we wage war, we wrestle? So, if God puts problem on people and or suffering on people for a greater, a greater good, how will you differentiate the problem that comes from spiritual wickedness in high places 
all the one from God. Okay, let's read it so that you don't think, ah, Pastor, is that written in the Bible? Ephesians chapter 6. <clears throat> let's start from verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand. Whose armor? God's armor. Watch this. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. I don't, I, guys, am I the only one in this? Am I the only one seeing these things? You think God brings evil on you? The Bible is saying to you here that there are devil's schemes. And what you need to stand against the schemes of the devil, the lies, the deception, the attacks of the devil, is what the armor of God. We're not going to go into details today. So God is constantly on your side. Helping you and trying to help you defeat the devil. And the Bible is not saying to you here that you should pray to God to defeat the enemy. He said you take on the armor of God so that you can stand. So it's not God's duty to stand for you. You stand because you are the one on earth. God is not on the planet earth. What he's done is that he's giving you what you need to stand. Amen. Verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers. Call them rulers. Say rulers. Rulers. People in power. Against the authorities, authorities, against the powers of this dark world. So in this world, there is darkness and there are rulers, there are authorities that you cannot see that are in operation. Amen. And against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, in the space, in the air, invisible. There are demons operating here, around here. You know, when you go to some place, they tell you that demons should not... You know, you cast out demons. It's a lie. They are there. They have the right to stay. But your faith in God, in God and your knowledge of your understanding in Christ Jesus is what disables them. If you start thinking weird thoughts, if you start crying, start believing wrong thoughts, they will jump in very quickly. Demons? Oh. Something. Even when Jesus was speaking in the synagogue, in the synagogue, Jesus was teaching, demonic people were there. So if demons will stay in Jesus' under teaching, so what makes you think demons will not stay under the teaching of your pastor? Let's bow our heads for prayer.